Hello everyone and welcome back to A Dancer's Mindset with myself Isabella. Today I'm joined by the wonderful Jess Spinner or you may know her as the whole dancer. She is the owner and founder but it's designed to help dancers find better balance with their training, their food and just life in general. So welcome Jess. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, no, it's great to have you. I'm so excited to chat because I think it's just really something that dancers all need to understand and um, give a lot of focus on. And um, it's a really important tool that we all need. And I'm just so glad that in this day and age, there's people like yourself who are dedicating their their life to helping dancers in this way. It's really fantastic. Before we get more into the whole dancer, just tell us a little bit more about you and your background, your training. Yeah, so I started, I guess a lot of people would say at a later age, as far as actual focused ballet training. I didn't start that until I was 12. Prior to that, I was at a studio that did like tap ballet jazz combo classes, literally like 30 minutes of each. And I loved it. And I was lucky enough to have a teacher there who said to me, you should go somewhere else for ballet. Like, Mm-hmm. I don't have what you need here. So she knew I loved it the most, you know, like that was yeah. what I loved the most. Uh, so I started training at a school on Long Island in New York, where I'm from. I was just there recently. In Long Island? Yeah, literally. No way. <laughs> so I should have said hello. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were from yeah. there. Yeah, I was yeah, just there. I mean, anyway. Yeah, what were you doing there? Oh, we were just, uh, we oh, were just spending time with, yeah, we'll sidetrack a little bit. I was just spending time with um, friends there because we have kind of family friends, although they're, they're, they're not family, but they're like, they're friends that are kind of become, become yes. family. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I love it. It's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Anyway, back to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't live there now, but that's where I grew up. And, you know, having started late and then getting towards the end of high school age training, um, I would also say, you know, like, it was not so popular in the States that people were going away to pre-professional programs at that time. Mm -hmm. It was much less common. You know, you kind of were staying where staying put for the most part outside of summer intensive study. Uh, And, you know, summer intensives, I went all over, which provided great experience and gave me more perspective on kind of like where I was in the wide world of ballet, you know, compared to others. And, At the end of high school, it was kind of a combination of both my mother really insisting that I go to college and my kind of feeling like I was not ready at that point to audition for companies. I Mm -hmm. think it would have been, especially now looking back, I know it would have been way too much for me at the time. How old were you at the time? Uh, 18. Okay. I wasn't ready. (laughs) Okay. And was that more like mentally you weren't ready? Um, I would say both mentally and technically. Okay. Because you started, you started quite late. I mean, actually I, I started early, but I had a similar situation where I was at a performing arts school and the same thing happened where they were like, okay, we see you are capable of doing ballet, but we're not going to be able to do that for you. So you should move elsewhere. Um, you know, and that's always a scary decision as well. Like, okay, I should yeah, step into the big pond. Um, right. But yeah, so at this, at this stage, what happened after that for you then? Yeah, so I went to Butler University, which is a 
quite a good ballet program here in the States and has improved even more, you know, like since I've been there, Mm -hmm. um, they have a lot of dancers going to Butler after having been at very high level pre-professional programs. So the the caliber of the dancing there has just gone up since I was there. Um, But that helped me a lot to be even more immersed in it. And a big part of that experience was forcing us out of our comfort zones Mm -hmm. in terms of like being just ballet bunheads all the time. You know, (laughs) we had some very, um, what would be a good word? (laughs) motivating you know in some ways uh teachers for you know like jazz and modern and and things like that and it was good because so many companies trend in you know doing all different styles these days Mm. so for the professional world it helped I would say oh okay was it kind of like because I know for me when I was in ballet school and like if we would have a non-ballet lesson I would be like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Because it was like, it was sort of like, there was no pressure on it because it wasn't yeah. ultimately what I was trying to do. Right. So it's like, I didn't care as much if it went good or bad. It yeah. was just fun. Um, yeah. Is that how you felt? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had some pressure on it. Um, you know, I think part of it, and like, I didn't fixate on grades in dance classes, but we were being graded. Yeah. And like, it was also one of those very, uh, undefined. We were not clear on how exactly these grades were being, uh, concluded. So, you know, there was that pressure of like, Oh, we're being graded on this. So we have to show up at a certain level and push. And they wanted us to take it seriously too. Okay. Yeah. So kind of natural in terms of you're in ballet school and you have, this overwhelming pressure both you put on yourself and from the people around you it's yeah, kind of, exactly. so it's not exactly fun right. <laughs> um and so you know I'm going to get to the kind of struggles in a moment um but then you know you entered companies after this time didn't you yeah yeah I went and danced with the Louisville Ballet in Kentucky yeah. which um was kind of a nice transition because it was a company that did hire quite a few dancers from university dance programs, which was somewhat, it was not super common then. Like some companies were really looking negatively upon that step still at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But Louisville hired a number of dancers from university. And so I had friends who were in, you know, years ahead of me from Butler who were already there. And so they were able to kind of, you know, show me the ropes and put in a good word with artistic staff and things like that, mm-hmm. which eased the transition. Yeah. It was still stressful. So at, at this point, cause obviously at the moment what's come across is the training and now entering the company, the word that springs to mind is stressful. Did mm-hmm. you at any point, you know, during, during your time of training, were you happy? Were you enjoying it? Or were you kind of constantly stressed? I definitely enjoyed moments of it. I I was not, mis- you know, going through these years miserable. Like no. I certainly had like, you know, moments of it. I liked the work a lot. You know, like I was one of those dancers who liked the work, mm-hmm. who liked to be, to feel like I was improving. But I think what felt like it was missing was 
any real support from the you know? the sort of authoritative figures around you or your friends yeah, from them you know friends were supportive yeah and um but I think sometimes and this is something I see with dancers now too yeah it is you almost like can focus in on the negative aspects or the challenges more than being like we can do this, you know, like we're gonna, we're gonna just improve and keep going, right? Like you can kind of get caught in those mental. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, absolutely. I mean, what springs to mind when you say that is when I was auditioning for the upper school, the Royal Ballet School, um, you know, we're automatically auditioned, you know, and um, I wasn't expecting to get in at all, because I just felt like they just didn't like me. Yeah. And then when we go into the office, there was no bearing in mind we're like 15 14 at this point there's no um <laughs> suggestion of like you're doing good you're doing okay right. it was basically like a whole list it was like a, a shopping list of everything I'm doing wrong yeah and it was like your ricarte is terrible your turnout needs work you don't have any flexibility um and it was just like I was like on the verge of tears because I was like okay why am I even yeah. here like what right. why am I even right. in this school um, you know, and it's like, that's also why, and I know you're passionate about this, but why I'm so passionate now about like helping dancers with the mental side of things, because it's like, how on earth are we supposed to cope? And it's no wonder we have, you know, issues mentally, um, and lots of self-sabotage and imposter syndrome, because we're just constantly, if someone else isn't beating us up and pushing us down, we'll do it ourselves. No problem. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, yeah. trained to look for what's wrong. Mm. And so then we like can just get stuck on those things. So few dancers ever acknowledge what they're doing well. Yeah. On in any com in a combination in a day, you know, like over the course of time, like so few dancers take the moment to say like, wow, like look how far I've come or like, look this combination. Yes. I have these things to work on, but um, I did these things well. Yeah, because you, you almost feel guilty for saying that to yourself. Like, mm -hmm. oh, no, I can't possibly. If I praise myself, that's accepting that I'm good enough. Right. And it's like, but I'm not yet. I have so much to improve on. I can't possibly give myself any kind of praise, which yeah. is such a sad and messed up way that we are sort of trained to think, <laughs> you know, yeah. because Absolutely. it's no wonder we often end up very miserable. Um, mm -hmm. because I remember myself, I remember honestly, like when I was, um, you know, really training and, and being a little bit crazy, let's be honest, um, constantly almost it's, it was, it's, this is going to sound so strange to say, but almost like enjoying the, um, the sort of, oh, I'm a struggling dancer, constantly yeah. suffering, constantly right. working. It was sort of like, it felt that felt like a more comfortable emotional state to be in than what felt super uncomfortable for me was being like, yeah, I'm feeling great today. Like I'm, right. I'm feeling good. I know I'm good. Like I know yeah. I'm good at stuff that felt way more vulnerable and scary Absolutely. than being like, Oh no, I'm terrible. I've got so much to work on. This is still bad, you know? Yeah. And it would come out mostly when my mum would say, Oh, you're, you know, you looked great. You know, you're, you're really doing well. And I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm doing terrible. Yeah. That's not what's happening. You know, <laughs> she, I must've come across so miserable. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's something that has to change. Um, 
when I was um, reading about you, um, what came up was, you know, you know, you started late, but also how you mention you don't, you don't have the, you know, typical ballet body. And, um, you know, obviously that was something that you probably were insecure about. Um, what, at what point during your training and maybe the, the company life, did you start to struggle with, um, your body image and balance and just feeling like something's a bit wrong here mentally, like I'm not happy? There was a a very pivotal moment for me. And the more dancers I connect with, especially dancers who I'm talking with about these kind of challenges, it's so often is a moment that's so vivid and so memorable and just like deeply ingrained. Yeah. Uh, So I was... 14 and had gone away for my first summer intensive away from home. And, uh, it's always, so it's like such a sad flip-flop of experience wherein at this training program, I didn't feel any body pressure or anything like that. And the friend group who I had made, they were very abundant eaters And, you know, like they would, they had so much food on their trays. And I don't even think that that was, you know, I was probably eating, I, I, well, I knew I was dancing more. And so I was eating quite a bit more and not overthinking at at all because the friends that I had made were doing the same things. And we were all just kind of like having fun and eating with joy and uh, abundance and all of that. And I was also prepubescent. I had not had a period yet. So I gained weight over the course of that summer intensive. And when I went back to my home studio, I was, you know, sitting outside of the studio before my first class back and my uh, teacher just tapped my thigh and said, that wasn't there before. And, you know, as you can imagine, it was like shame and shock because it didn't even occurred to me that I had gained weight. My, my weight and like body change was not at the forefront of my mind at Mm. that point. I don't think I had stepped on a scale in my home prior to that point. Yeah. But when that happened, it was immediate that I felt that something was wrong with me and that my thighs were too big and that I needed to change and I had to lose weight. And, um, you know, having no knowledge and, too much shame to even say anything to my mother. I didn't tell her that that happened. I just decided I was going to um, go on a diet and I created this very unhealthy plan where I was only eating foods that had three grams of fat or less. Low fat trend was very popular at the time. So that's what I clung to and and like kept in my head for many, many, many years after that. Yeah. Oh God, it makes me kind of... um... It really makes me sad and, and angry when I hear stuff like that because just just as a person who's like helping and looking after young people now, like you, I just think to myself, what goes through people's heads that they think that is okay? Mm-hmm. Like, would I ever, ever do that to somebody? Right. Like, never in a million years. Because it's like, it's comments like that that destroy a person's life and like, destroy someone's self-esteem and and send them down this crazy hole of just self-loathing self-hatred and self-sabotage and you know I'm I'm almost I mean correct me if I'm wrong but that sort of comment is kind of why you're here today 
absolutely doing this yeah Yeah. because yeah I mean I had a similar comment happen to me um and again like I hadn't really thought about it before I knew we had to be slim like Mm -hmm. I know ballet you know we have to be slim but like I was naturally quite slim and also I was prepping for doing lots of um it was the first time I was given like doing um lots of sort of soloist stuff in school still um but like I was excited by that and I realized oh, I would need to fuel myself there's so many jumps in this so I started like you know just really like kind of eating abundantly I'm talking like I gained a little bit of weight but it was like again like I just looked like a nice <laughs> Mm-hmm. healthy dancer um still extremely slim and then someone said to me you know um, how much do you weigh and they put me on the scale in front of them Ugh. and then I was like four kilos over what they expect someone of my height to be so I was mm-hmm. expected to be 50 kilos I always talk about it because like 50 kilos I'm like five foot ten like that was that like 176 centimeters maybe slightly more I mean that's dumb like that's insane like there's no way yeah you know and I've I've spoken about this before where like I got down to 51 from very uh strict and bad habits Mm -hmm. um and then they said I looked anorexic and so it was at that point (laughs) at that point for me I was like you know what you can all (laughs) yeah get lost because like I'm not gonna listen to anyone anymore um and so okay so that kind of comment sent you down a damaging path and would you say at that point was there much you know recovery from that point in terms of did that sort of affect the rest of your career it did yeah yeah I never I always felt I should be smaller right and my weight fluctuated over the years right yeah and and it was I was sometimes at very low weights and I never got to a very high weight except for one year when I was injured in college and was coping in very unhealthy Mm. and yo-yo kind of ways. Yeah. Um, And even then, you know, I was not heavy by any standards. Um, And I realized afterwards too, when I looked back, I wasn't getting much body feedback after that initial incident, right? You know, like it's not like every year someone was saying to me, "Oh, you're too big." Yeah. Or when I was in the company, I never got body comment. Like they never said anything to me about my body. I said a lot of things to myself, yeah, about how I thought I was too big and should be smaller. And you know, at one point, I remembered saying to my friend, "I just I look so I've gained weight. I look so big." And I think I had gained like three or four pounds, and yeah. it was she was like, I don't see any difference. Yeah. Probably nobody else did either. Um, you know, and it, I talk about this a lot Mm. cause I, I know that it happens so often for dancers wherein my body and my size became such a focus that I was no longer able to focus on my dancing. Yeah. Like I couldn't fully focus on improving or actually getting to a higher level because always what I saw as the issue was my body Mm. yeah and then it kind of you know it takes all the focus you can't really focus on being like a true artist or anything not at all yeah completely yeah you know because you're constantly obsessed with do I look thin enough um will they accept me 
and then mm-hmm. and then it's kind of it really feeds into everything like am I a good enough dancer um do I look right you know you're just never relaxed or never allowed to let go um yeah. and do you think you know had that do you think because obviously soon after this and you know you obviously stopped later at what point did you decide to stop so after Louisville, I uh, freelanced in Boston for a few years. During that time, I got injured. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, injury does tend to take us down an even darker path because it's the whole uh, identity yeah. challenge where we're saying, like, yeah. who am I now that I can't do this thing that I've done for yeah. so many years of my life? And so the injury was very hard. I had actually moved back to New York and was, you know, taking class at Steps in New York City. And my plan was to start auditioning and to get back into it. And the pain never went away. Like I was technically healed. What was your but the pain? What was your injury? It was a sesamoid. Um, uh, it's like the bone in the yeah. ball of your foot. Yeah. Um, so the pain there never went away. Mm. And, um, I just kind of on a whim decided to apply for this retail job. And when I got the job, I just stopped dancing. Yeah. Just like that. Was it as a, like a, a moment, like a strong, like, did you know when you accepted that job, right? I'm done. I don't even know that I had the clarity of that thought, Yeah, but I just stopped. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like it was a decision. Mm. It was just something that I did. Do you think at the time when, you know, you had that comment said to you and you were obviously struggling, had you had the right care or support from someone at that point, do you think things would have been different? And also what would, what would that care look like to you had you had it? Yeah. I think a hundred percent things could have been different. Um, as we've said, like, that is why I do what I do. And now having done this work since 2015, I have seen so many times how differently dancers journeys can go when they have support through those kinds of challenges. And I've had dancers say to me, I think I would have quit if we hadn't worked together. Mm. Um, You know, I feel like if I had gotten support at a younger age in my teens, I I don't think I fully reached my potential as a dancer. Uh, I think that I could have gone further or danced for longer or, you know, gone to a higher level, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't able to fully realize that. And, you know, I don't know that at the time I would have known what the support would have looked like. I, what I do and like the way that I see the support working is just to have consistent connection with someone who has been there Mm. and who has had those experiences Mm. and can, you know, part of it is like, tell them you are not, nothing is wrong with you. Yeah. You know, these people who said these things to you as a young person, like something's wrong with them, but there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. The, the problem is, and I always, I think about this now with what we both do, 
is that, you know, we both work with a lot of dancers is that, you know, we know we're helping them, but what's still quite sad is they're having to seek outside counsel to get the help, you know, like, and it's always seemed like, you know, I have to really help dancers go back into the arena of Mm -hmm. difficulty struggle um and criticism you know and sort of build them up mentally maybe I'm working um with them like mentally or just coaching them you know they're so fearful they're full of fear um and it's it's still a sad thing that like schools and companies are not working with dancers in a way that makes them feel encouraged to try fail like get up and try again Mm. um and not let not sort of have an atmosphere that then leads to such um issues which they carry to adulthood you know yeah absolutely but again there was yeah (laughs) go on yeah there was a dancer who I worked with where the she was at a very top level pre-professional program Mm. and they actually said to her we will not be you know renewing your scholarship for next year because your body has changed in ways that we don't like basically is what they said. And when her mother said to them, is there any help you can offer? They said, no, our dietitians will only work with people if they have like disordered eating stuff. And that's not what we see as the issue with her because her body was bigger than what they wanted it to be. Wow. You know? And so they just basically said, we're taking away this scholarship from you and you're on your own to, to find support or ridiculous. an answer or, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Ugh, that's ridiculous. It feels all too common too, right? Like they, yeah. like you said, they don't provide any direction or answers. And like sometimes they will just say blanket statements and give very unhealthy advice and say like everyone just do this <laughs> it's like yeah no, that's not that's not gonna help yeah and uh oh man I just think about like what that does to someone's brain you know um for years to come right and it takes so much healing and hard work and therapy to get mm-hmm. over these things you know yeah. and like for me and you, we're only able to talk like this because as well, I think, you know, we've left the kind of arena. So it's like we've had a chance to heal, really think about things and also have passion to help others. Exactly. So it's kind of like what's fascinating and that is like, you know, is it is it possible? And obviously it is because this is how you help people. But it's like, how does one recover from these situations and still stay in these environments and excel because that's the challenge really it's like healing while still in the war zone you know Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and it's hard because and I was like like I said I left yeah and only then right did my healing journey Mm. happen and was I able to you know, work through those things and get away from that place of self-loathing. It is certainly a a greater challenge to do it while you're still in those kinds of environments. 
what I find to be like the biggest mindset shift that helps dancers stay in their own space of self-support is to prioritize their well-being mm. over the end goal. You know, so it's not I will sacrifice everything mm. to get this contract or to be hired or to be rehired, right? It's that I am going to prioritize my health and see let that take me kind of where it does. Yeah. Um, you know, in the states now I have a handful of ballet companies maybe a few more than a handful that I know are very good environments. So that's the challenge for me is that I know I can't get all, get, you know, not all of my clients can get jobs at these companies. Well, I think that's the thing. It's like, if I was still in the industry to that degree, I would, um, yes, make mental health a priority for me. To be honest, I was, I was almost um, doing that anyway. Like when I left, when I left Russia, you know, there was a moment I was very, I haven't really spoken about that much, but I was super depressed in my, the last company I was in, like absolutely hated it. And so it was that point for me where I was like, you know, I, um, I need to find an environment. I need to find an environment that's um, yes. healing and healthy for me because it was at that moment for me that I realized my quality of life has to have a factor has to have mm-hmm. a, a place in this because otherwise I'm just gonna destroy myself you know and is it is it worth that I mean no we should I think this leads into the next part of the conversation where I want to talk to you about you know balance in life and it's what you speak about a lot with the whole dancer is having more balance and What does that look like in your eyes? I think that dancers really need to have lives outside of dance and be actively cultivating Mm. relationships and friendships with non-dancers and to be, you know, actively cultivating hobbies and interests outside of dance uh, because it helps to remind you that, the whole everything in life is not about ballet you know there's there's so much more because there's going to be hard days and like we said especially if you're in an environment that's not super positive or supportive Mm -hmm. like you're going to have hard days within that Mm -hmm. you have to have a way to disconnect and to move on and to remind yourself that there's so much more to life Mm -hmm. and you have so many things outside of just your dance and dance experience to be grateful for and inspired by and and motivated by mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. I think about um, perfectionism when we talk about, you know, dances and everything, because yeah. do you think perfectionism and balance are kind of closely linked in the way that, you know, dancers are striving to be perfect? And I think a lot of dancers feel like balance is causes them to feel lazy and like they're not working hard enough you know yeah because there's that perfectionism thing like no I've got to be perfect I can't go out this weekend with the family and see a movie like that's wasted time absolutely yeah I think that it's um I find the easiest way for dancers to start to create some balance is to have clarity as to why these things are a benefit to them and they're dancing. 
Yeah. You know, because so much of the narrative, especially from old school teachers, but I would say even some teachers, you know, in pre-pro programs who are like trying to, to really push their students to get to the highest levels mm. of, you know, say company or career or whatever, mm. is the message that if you want to do this and you want to do this well, it's all you can think about. It's all you should yeah. be, you know, focused on. And, and there is a need, yes, to be focused and be determined and to work hard and all of that. But there's so much benefit to having the other things yeah. as well. You'd be a better dancer, right? You will actually have life experience to draw from to be an artist and to have something like to have a story to tell. Yeah. And here's, here, I've got a bit of an interesting thought to ask you. So let's say, because obviously it's easy to tell someone who's kind of struggling in their life and their dance life to have more balance. Like, you know, they're struggling, they're burnt out they're not super happy. Like it's obvious that balance is missing. Um, what about the people who let's say they just love working and let's say they just love doing like extra practice and they're just having the best time and they're not necessarily struggling. They're enjoying working super hard. Do you think for those people, like, let's say, you know, they have no problem with whatever it is they're doing. Do you think for those people, you know, the balance and the the idea of, you know, doing things that would benefit them, do you think for everyone it should be like a priority and a, and a necessity? I think it looks different for everyone. Yeah. And there are dancers who, yeah, like if all the work and all the time and all of that focus is truly lighting you up. Yeah, And you feel amazing and you feel like you're accomplishing things mm. and you, you know, I would say you still have some relationships and friendships and things like that outside of the studio Hopefully. that <laughs> are healthy. Yes. Um, then I think it's okay. And I think it's also, you know, that also speaks to how balance evolves over time. Yeah, And like, you might feel great about that when you're in your teen years and you're, you know, dancing training 40 hours a week, but like, then you might get to the company and the job of it. And that might not feel amazing anymore. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah. It's the the ability to say like, okay, this doesn't have to be only this way for me to be doing my best. And in fact, to do my best in this new phase of career or life, it might have to be different. Yeah. And, and accepting that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you hit the nail on the head because when I was, um, you know, training for the goal of getting into a company, nothing, nothing could make me rest. And it was, you know, definitely not healthy. Um, but I just had this driving force pushing me, you know, um, and I wouldn't say I was my happiest self either. Mm. Um, but then when it was like, when I went to a company and suddenly that goal and that pressure is off, that was when I was like, I just didn't know how to cope. And um, I didn't know how to conduct myself or how to feel or, you know. And so then had I had I been a bit more self-aware and emotionally mature enough and more aware and maybe had someone like yourself guiding me and being like, it's just, it's just a readjustment. We just need to readjust and, right. you know, and see things a little bit differently now. Like you're an adult, it's time to have a life as well. Had someone said that to me at the time, I probably would have 
been been okay but you know we're yeah. often we're left on our on our own a lot and also as a dancer we find it hard asking for help because we have mm-hmm. to we have to be strong we have to cope with anything right. um yeah so what's one of the most common things that you come across with like one of the most common causes of a dancer struggling with balance? Like, is it mostly, um, you know, are they struggling mostly with food issues or body issues um, or just kind of overworking? What's the most common thing that people come to you with? The most common that I work with are the body image and food challenges. Um, And, you know, I do think, a lot of it is connection to my own experience and, you know, dancers who resonate with having had an experience like that, where you got body comments or even sometimes it's well-meaning parents saying, I think we should try this diet in order to help you, you know, like reach these goals. Right. So there are all these influences that can kind of impact the dancer experience and, And then it it really just starts to detract from the joy in dance. It starts to take away from the actual focus. Uh, You know, a lot of times it impacts confidence as a dancer. If you're not confident in your body and, you know, if you're constantly stressing about food and what you should or shouldn't be eating and having that kind of internal battle all the time. Mm. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned parents. Um, I had one moment relatively recently and I really (laughs) was quite alarmed. Basically, a parent said in front of, you know, my student and in front of her daughter um, said, oh, yeah, she's, you know, she's gained so much weight on her summer school. She's just, you know, so much bigger. And was just talking about her size just very blatantly in front of her and Mm -hmm. I I kept looking at the student as this conversation was happening because number one did I feel comfortable talking about this in front of the student absolutely not no way I did not want to discuss anything like this in front of her and um, number two I just wanted to make sure she was okay because you know I literally was reassuring her being like look it's fine like as soon as you get back home back to your routine everything will sort itself out I don't think you need to stress about this don't stress about it like everything will be fine but I felt very compelled to like keep reassuring her because it's like I don't didn't think the parent realized at all what that would do to someone who constantly looks in the mirror at themselves every single day um so what with we talk about teachers all the time but parents as well have to be a little bit wiser too especially I feel like especially if they if they're not from a dance background they potentially don't know the weight and magnitude of what it is they're saying to someone who criticizes themselves nearly every single day yeah yeah I'm always you know I have to maintain the perspective for myself that I think about these things and, and learn and read and study about all of these things and like the psychology of it, um, so much that I know, especially since I am a parent that these parents are not trying to be part of the problem, No, but very often it is, like you said, it's a matter of, they don't fully understand that they're child already feels immense pressure 
just because they look on Instagram and they see professional dancers and they are comparing themselves and they're comparing themselves to their peers. And, you know, in their teens, there's peers who have not gone through puberty and there's peers who have. So Mm -hmm. you have very different bodies in the same studio and parents, uh, I think, especially like you said, if they're not in the dance world, they also sometimes even have a more extreme perception of what their kid should look like, Mm. you know, in order to be successful or what they perceive that their child should look like in order to be successful in dance. And I will sometimes have a parent talk to me and tell me all these things about their concerns with their child's body type or size or shape. And then you know, with Instagram, I, I actually know what many of my clients look like, even though I'm only connecting with them face to face on zoom, but I'll see their, the dancer and I'm like, they're fine. She's fine. Yeah. There's nothing to stress about here, you know, like, or they're in a phase of training or age where their body is changing a lot still. Mm. And like, not at a final stage of what their body is going to look like or what their body might look like as a professional. Yeah. So like, let's just try to remove more pressure. Like we don't need more pressure (laughs) on this. Yeah. I think it's, you know, a case of we've got to educate not only the student, but also the parents. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're learning too. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So as we round up slowly, what do you think is, um, I'm going to ask you a few more questions. What sure. do you think is missing in the um, dance world, schools, companies, towards dancers' well-being and helping them out with balance and their um, mental state? Oh, so it feels much. like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Too much is missing. <laughs> Next question. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that. Do you think it will ever change? I do. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. You know, it's, um, I have being in my late thirties now, I have some peers and, you know, like friends who I danced with who are now getting into positions of artistic leadership. Right. And I know that they have a very different perspective on it all. And I know that they see the need for change and reform. And um, they see, because they experienced it, the need to just treat dancers like people and like they're valuable mm. for the work that they do and valued. Mm. Um, so I'm hopeful. I think that, um, you know, it is, we're at a point right now where a lot of companies and schools are saying the right things. They're saying things about how they support dancers' health and well-being. But, you know, if like another advice for parents or students is to ask more questions about what that actually looks like. Like, well, how do you support the dancer's health and well-being. Yeah. You know, I think at the simplest phase, because I know not all companies and schools have the funding to have people retained on staff or, you know, full-time staff members who do these things, is to at the very least have a list of referrals who, if you notice a dancer struggling with something on the body front or, um, you know, they have expressed to you that they think their body is wrong or needs to change or what have you, you can say, 
reach out to some of these people and mm. see if you can find somebody who feels like a good fit for you and your needs, mm-hmm. because that's going to help them move forward and succeed. I think sometimes that schools and companies, they think that, you know, like I said, they just will make a statement and say, mm. well, you know, they'll like give offhand diet advice, like, oh, cut out the, cut out these foods, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not helpful. So they have to like acknowledge what their job is and have people who they can refer their dancers out to or at mm. the bigger places, you know, have on staff or, you know, offer a free call or consultation with somebody uh, who they trust to work with their dancers uh, and really create that uh, acceptance and celebration of mm. getting support in order to better perform and to feel better. Yeah. Great answer. I think, um, like you said, and you, I was thinking it before you said it, actually, I think sort of with what we're doing and, you know, making dancers more aware of their emotions, I mean, self-growth and kind of personal mm-hmm. growth is a huge thing right now. Like, you yeah. know, everyone's so much information and everyone's talking about it and everyone's kind of getting addicted to self-growth. And I think, therefore, there will be professional dancers at this point also kind of practicing it. And therefore, when they retire and when we all get into sort of artistic leadership and the slightly older generation leaves those roles who, you know, were more kind of like, we don't speak about emotions, we just get on with it. Um, Mm -hmm. as soon as that changes, I think that, and more and more, I think that's when we'll start to see the big shift that we all need. I'll be very interested to see how that translates into how companies like perform and like how the standard of the schools becomes in the companies. Like, you know, I'm sure it's going to make a very interesting change. I mean, hopefully for the better. I can't see I yeah. can't see how it would not be. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for that change. And Jess, tell us um tell us what your what's your mission for the whole dancer and what's coming up for you, if anything, at yeah. the moment. Yeah. I you know, I wanna make as much change as I can to dancers prioritizing their own well-being and prioritizing their health in order to do their best dancing. You know, like I mentioned, I I feel very strongly that I was not able to reach my full potential because I was so distracted mm. by what I felt was wrong with me. Yeah. And so I want to see dancers be able to take sort of to take their power back and to feel like they're in the driver's seat of their career and dance journey. And that they can actually accomplish that by just taking better care of themselves, you know, and and to truly focus on those things in ways that are uh, self-supportive and to give themselves permission to care for themselves uh, in order to dance better and feel better and enjoy it more, like have more joy. Yeah, no, fantastic. And I think it's funny, I really resonate with, you know, what you're doing now, because I feel the same way about what I'm doing. And it's sort of like yeah. one person's, one person's struggles and quote unquote failings. 
um, kind of, you know, leads us to where we're supposed to be. And although, you know, we had our own massive struggles, I think, you know, we loved what we were doing. And there's a part of us that is, you know, um, annoyed that and um, upset that we didn't get the support, what we, that we needed. And so now we're so passionate about providing that for the dancers of today so that they don't have the same issues and don't make the same mistakes, you know, that's totally avoidable with the right support and care. Um, And so, no, I'm a big fan of what you're doing and I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. And thank you so much, Jess, for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I, I am a huge fan of your work as well. And it is just so necessary to have more people, I think, echoing this message of supporting yourself and approaching dance from a healthy perspective and mindset. Exactly. Which will then lead to a lasting career, which I know all the dancers listening want ultimately. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Jess. And we'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. Sounds great.